Executive Suites with WPRI.com reporter Ted Nisi. Welcome to Executive Suite. I'm Ted Nisi. Well, we can sometimes, I think, overlook it, those of us lucky enough to live in Rhode Island and southeastern Massachusetts, that we live in a very desirable part of the world to visit, to come to, to, to live and to work and to play. And uh, the people who do tourism, though, they're well aware of it and they're always marketing it. And today we're talking to one of the chief marketers of Rhode Island to get people <laughs> out there, Kristen Adamo. She is president and CEO of the Providence Warwick Convention and Visitors Bureau, just became the CEO after a number of years there in uh, other executive positions, including as the spokesperson, which is how mm -hmm. I know you. Congratulations on the big promotion. Thank you. The title still sounds weird, so that's how you know I'm new. The CEO. Now you're truly <laughs> in the executive suite with go. me, CEO. I love it. Okay. So first off, you know, there. I know this as a reporter, there's lots of different mm -hmm. groups and offices and things that do tourism stuff in Rhode Island. Your group, Providence Warwick Convention and Visitors Bureau, can you just help people understand how you guys fit into the tourism picture sure. and what your role is? So what we do, I always like to start big and go smaller. So one of the divisions that we have is the Rhode Island Sports Commission, and we book sporting events across the state. So that can be anything from March Madness that people know to volleyball tournaments that take up, um, you know, every hotel room we can find or hockey tournaments to take up sheets of ice we're working on quidditch all sorts quidditch, of things wow. there's something for everyone <laughs> uh, we also book meetings and conventions primarily at the convention center sometimes the dunkin donut center and with the hotels in providence and warwick and then we also market providence as a leisure tourism destination and a lot of people while they don't see a lot of the work that we do because it goes outward we're trying to get people here um, probably know our website goprovidence.com and some of the events we do like providence restaurant weeks yeah and it's external facing stuff that as you say you're almost it, your job is not to be talking to rhode islanders we're already here exactly it's to talk to folks who might have a vague familiarity or none at all and get them like i know you, you talk to journalists right. who do travel magazines let's say right. you bring them in right to show them hey you should write about us we do we host between 50 and 100 travel journalists a year um, just my team which is basically two people um, and we have had everyone from that CNN article that you probably saw saw a couple months ago um, we just had the Washington Post in a couple weeks ago so we'll be tracking that we've got a big article in travel and leisure that's coming out in August does it so, work so you bring someone in and maybe they're not sure if they're gonna write a story about Providence or not and then you, you take them around they say this place it does work we try to vet it because we need to use our money responsibly so we try to first of all make sure that the report is legitimate and then we look at are they on assignment if not are they a really good freelancer um, a lot of times we'll work with the same people um, the CNN story that everyone loved that's a woman named Lily Marcus who we've been working with for probably 10 years um, and that one came out of the blue she actually visited the year before so sometimes it's relationship building and sometimes it's just being really careful I need to switch which part of journalism yeah, you I do. Yours, yours seems like a lot more mm -hmm. fun um, so uh, oh and one thing we should say is you're not a government office. We are not. We are a 501c6. We're funded a, a, a lot of different ways. But the bulk of it will be hotel taxes. Yeah. Uh, and so we have our own board of directors and we don't report to any city or government agency. So um, when, we're, we're already talking about it. When, when you think, of, you know, again, so for people at home, they're already here. They <laughs> might have friends and family yeah. who visit. But when you sit back and you think, who is my target audience? Who do I think I can get to come to Rhode Island? Who do you think? Is it just drawing people in from Mass and Connecticut, New York? Is it going, hey, come to the East Coast from the West Coast? Kind of mm -hmm. who do you see as your prime so targets? We have to work within our budget. So um, 
the great thing about advertising is if you had a million dollars, you could spend a million dollars. We don't. So what we do is we try to be really smart with what we do. So we do a lot of electronic things because they're cheaper and they're easier to track. And we really focus on that northeastern drive market. I think it's something like 20% uh, of the U.S. population lives within 300 miles of Rhode Island. So you're talking Philadelphia, Boston, um, New York, New Jersey. So those are our, our sweet spots. But we've also seen a great um, lift in um, Baltimore and Washington, and that's the cheap flight. Mm -hmm. So we really target that geographic area more than anywhere else. And we look at usually um, younger people um, for Providence. It's someone who's probably more urban and really likes the city experience and art and good food. So, And you can do a lot of that um, creepy target marketing through electronic media. So we can be very smart with our dollars. So you Googled Providence, and now suddenly your Facebook's full of Providence, Exactly. Right? <laughs> that is a little creepy, but, yeah. it, but it probably works, right? It does. <laughs> so what you're going to keep doing it. I want to ask you about the place those people stays, which, mm -hmm. stay, which is hotels. I'm amazed, we're taping this in spring of 2019, at the number of hotels mm -hmm. either just opened, being built, or in the pipeline in Providence right now. And a lot of people are talking about that and saying, to, is there going to be enough demand? You know, where's this coming from? How do you view this sort of, I don't know, would you call it a boom? It's absolutely a boom. We've been tracking eight projects, hotel development projects, just in Providence. That doesn't include things that are happening in Warwick or Quidnick Island. Um, two of those have opened, which is Woodspring and Homewood Suites. Residence Inn is slated for this fall. But there are other properties that are in the pipeline as well. And we get calls every day with people doing due diligence. We've had hotel speculators say that we're a red heart market. So, Why? Uh, because of our occupancy rate. So we ended our last fiscal year at about 742 or 3 percent occupancy. So that means we were three quarters full on any given night of the year. That's now, people really might think, high. So is that, and I want to get you to explain that because you know it so well. Because people hear it and they're like, 74 percent, you know, that's only a C in, a, in right. a letter grade. So in the hotel world is like, how does that fit in when they look at what's a good occupancy? That's really strong. I mean, um, you, you're lucky, you know, 60 and change is usually the national average so we are all performing above average um, we also do really well um, with leisure travel and I don't think people know that so um, during I'd say May through November I have the stats on every day of the week and Saturday nights between May and November were in the mid 90s for occupancy above 90 pretty much every Saturday which is super high it's you you can't find that means you're sold out yeah you're sold out so there's a need and what else is great is the mix of hotels that are coming in so we have um, like the residents in the Homewood Suites or what we call extended stay so that's for that corporate traveler that may be coming for a week or two. Um, so it, it speaks to a different kind of traveler. Uh, the other thing is there's a lot of boutique, what we call boutique properties, so cool little funky properties. Like, for example, we have the Dean in the Hotel Providence. So we're going to have more of that stuff. That appeals to younger people. It appeals um, to people who um, don't want that Marriott or, you know, that chain hotel experience. So we're just adding to the total package. So it's actually really exciting. And so you definitely think there's, there's good reason to think, you know, because we never know. Maybe all these hotels get built. Maybe mm -hmm. some, you know, stay on the drawing board for right. a while. But you think there is room for quite a bit of growth in that there space. There is, and we're, we're, you know, we're going to experience, experience it. Those eight projects account for, I think, it's 2,700 rooms that we'll be adding into the market. And you can already sell that to the conventions and people come in, right? Uh, we're going to we, have more. Uh, we do. I mean, we're, we're cautious. We, we're selling the residents <laughs> in, and we started selling um, the Homewood Suites. And, um, but we do. We book typically 18 months and out. So right now we're looking at 21, 22, 23. So you're thinking way ahead of the rest yeah, of us. Yeah, exactly. In, in your life, exactly. it's 2022 already for what you're thinking about. Yeah. We have to go to break, but before we do, uh, one other question in the hotel world, which is I'm curious about Airbnb and, yes. and its competitors. Um, how much is that affecting 
uh, the ways people, you know, we're going to talk later on about conventions. That's yeah. a lot of where people come from. When they're booking, are, are, do you see more people saying to themselves, I don't need a hotel, I'm going to do an Airbnb while I'm here? Absolutely. And we are, um, my colleague Evan Smith in Newport has done a great job of aggregating how many Airbnbs he has and how it's impacting the economy. And that's one of the first things that we're going to do um, since I took over is we're really going to start looking at that and trying to quantify that for Providence. And our footprint's a little different, so it's going to be like Providence, Cranston, East Providence. And, and just see how many Airbnbs are out there. I had a call from a guy the other day who told me he has 25 Airbnbs in Providence and he can accommodate about 100 people. That's a boutique hotel. So we need to figure out just what we have and then look at how we work with it. Um, even in something simple as should we be um, giving collateral to those places to give people get visitor information. And, of course, the, the dollar question is always a, a Good topic. And of course, your hotel partners may not always want you to exactly. be too helpful to those folks. There's some it's sensitivity a fine there. Line. Yeah, interesting. A brief new world on that front. All right, we're, when we come back, we're going to talk more with Chris Nadamo, CEO of the Providence Warwick Convention and Visitors Bureau, including why conventions have become a huge part of their strategy to market Providence. Stick with us on Executive Suite. Welcome back to Executive Suite. I'm Ted Nisi. We're talking today about the business of tourism, and that is big business in southeastern New England, especially here in Rhode Island. We're talking to Kristen Nadamo. She's the president and CEO of the Providence Warwick Convention and Visitors Bureau. I always have to get the ampersand right because it's not Providence and Warwick. It's convention and visitors. We right. put the other two together. So You can call us Go Providence if it's easier. Go Providence. That's a mouthful. Maybe that'll keep me, get me quicker yeah. next time. So, I mentioned before the break, I want to talk about conventions. Mm -hmm. This, this to me as a business reporter is fascinating because it's, it can be nearly invisible to right. the average Rhode Islander when some, you know, the International Association of Umbrella Salesmen comes to town. But if they bring thousands of people mm -hmm. who go out to restaurants and book hotel rooms, it's a huge business. And you guys have really been focusing on that in recent years. Absolutely. Um, that is the foundation of our business. And then we layer um, leisure travel and corporate travel on top of that. Providence is a great meetings and convention destination. So um, we have a whole sales team and that's what they do. They're out in um, all over the country and bringing meetings and conventions back to Rhode Island. We ask Rhode Islanders to help us. We have a, a program called Recommend Rhode Island, so we're asking people if you're, everyone belongs to something, whether it's a church or a professional organization, so we're asking people to help us and help the economy by bringing uh, meetings and conventions here. And we'll do all the work and they can brag about it. And that's the best deal you get. Yeah, so, you know, I was looking, you, you had in your annual report, yep. you looked a bit at the future yes. of um, these conventions. Uh, just one that stuck out to me as a good example, the Unitarian Church is having an, an, an annual meeting, I guess, or something like that. They're coming they to Providence. 7,700 room nights attached to that and like $4 million in expected That's spending. exactly right. And this isn't the first time that they've been here. I think this is the second time that they've been here. So, And that's the pressure that you're under, too. You want to deliver a good product and you want to make sure um, that people will be happy with their experience because then you get what we call repeat customers. And that's, I mean, a, a, something like that is an incredible um, economic benefits to the community. I remember when I was wearing my political reporter hat when the National Governors Association yes. was in Rhode Island and uh, they, I was told by some of their organizers, they meet all over the country, mm -hmm. and when they came to Providence, some of the governors came who might not have otherwise because they actually wanted to see Newport or come to Providence, and so that brought them in too. That's exactly. We have one coming at the end of June. It's the American Home Brewers Association, so it's people who brew beer. 
and I think there's like 3,200 of them coming. And I actually went to that conference last year in Oregon. Rough life, I know. <laughs> yeah. um, but one of the things we were doing is promoting people coming to Providence. And what really struck me was every single person practically I talked to said, oh, I'm making that my family vacation. Yes. So what they're going to do is they'll stay for two or three days in Providence, and then they're going to go out and rent a beach house or do something. Um, and they're touring breweries all over the state, and they're getting out into restaurants, and they're bringing buses full of people. So one of the things we're going to do with them is we are going to draw an electronic fence and do something very creepy with cell phone data and see if we can see just how far out they're going to go and how they're enjoying all of Rhode Island because we want that quantitative data. We want to be able to show people the work that's being done in Providence and, and when people come to Providence, it has a statewide effect. And it's, it just must be efficient because trying to rope people in one little nuclear family at a time, you have four right. people, you rope in a convention, you have thousands coming. Right, and then um, we talked a little bit about sports and sports is even better because you, when you come to a, a business convention, maybe you come by yourself with a colleague but with sports, a baseball, a kiddie baseball team is coming with an entire family. Um, and a lot of the sporting events we do are actually in January and February and um, stay in Warwick. So it really moves the needle in times of need. And also, yeah, it gets a Warwick, which, you know, you don't have the convention center there, but right. it's a way to get people into there. I'm curious, um, how competitive is it to land conventions? So it's actually tougher and tougher every year. Um, more cities are building convention centers and then more cities are expanding their convention center. So we are sort of landlocked. And I will tell you, if you haven't been to the center in a while, they do an amazing job of working with the space that they have. They've turned you know, closets into rooms and they've um, locked off part of their ground floor and made it into a ballroom. So they're doing the best that they can and maybe down the road we will expand. But right now, we have to work with what we have. So what we do to remain competitive is we can't be bigger, so we're gonna be smarter. And so one of the things we're doing is we are launching a speaker directory and what we're trying to do is get um, academics and business people, leaders here in Rhode Island, we have such rich intellectual capital, and we're trying to work with them to um, place them when we have a meeting and convention here in Rhode Island. It's great for them because it gives them a national profile. It's great for us because it's a service and then the um, event planner or meeting planner doesn't have to pay to fly somebody in. Uh, so it's, I think it's going to be a win-win, and we're just in the process of kind of aggregating that kind of talent. I was wondering the same thing. Do you? And sometimes when I talk to state officials, there is a little worry about the size of the convention center yeah. and whether that could start to be a problem as other cities build them, expand them. I think Boston's been talking yep. about that, too. Um, do you think... Rhode Island needs to start to have that conversation. I think we do because um, we are, now, I just told you, we have 2,600 new hotel rooms coming in just Providence. That does not include um, Warwick. We need to re remain competitive. And what is happening is when the center was built in the 90s, there was a way that people met and it was big um, halls and now Ballrooms. exactly and now people are more interested in really interesting breakout space so I think that's probably a conversation that we're going to have to have um, down the road and what is the outlook for the next you mentioned earlier you're sure. looking forward always a couple of yep. years or so right now mid 2019 you know this year's were booked long ago and you're going yes. through that how are you feeling about the next few years so, and, and having enough of a pipeline so 18 was what we call an outlier we had an amazing year occupancy for that fiscal year as I said was um, I think 74.2, 74.3. 19's going to dip a little bit. We're starting to, the second half is much more robust. It's our busy season in terms of weather. So we're ramping back up 
Um, 21, we're at, I think, about 120% of our, what our booking pace would normally be. And 22, we're at 148%. Wow. Yeah, so 22 is just going to be incredible. We have people fighting over space in February. What's driving that? Um, it, you know what? It's cyclical. Mm. It's, it's really um, sort of a cyclical business. And again, sports is red hot. Our location is red hot. And, when you know, the work that we do on the leisure side, people hear about Providence's food and their art scene and all of that impacts the the other side. We're a hot city. Um, I love that. Well, we're overdue for a break, but uh, one quick question I have before we go. It, on conventions, is it, if let's say there's a downturn in the economy or something, mm -hmm. do, do you find this is a fairly stable business because they planned it so far in advance, people still have them, or do they start canceling? You know, if the economy was softer in 21, do you still think you'd have that many? We will for 20 and 21, uh, or 21 and 22, where it becomes an issue is like, say, 8 and 9, we had an economic downturn, so people who were planning things in 11 and 12 were much more cautious. The other trend we're seeing is sometimes people will book a convention and only book a smaller amount of hotel rooms that are contracted because they're nervous. So sometimes it's not the group, it's the shrinking of the hotel footprint. And the size of it. Interesting. All right, we got to take another break. When we come back, we're going to talk about what Rhode Island is doing right now on its fun-sized tourism campaign with Kristen Adamo, President and CEO of the Providence Warwick Convention and Visitors Bureau. Stick with us on Executive Suite. Welcome back to Executive Suite. I'm Ted Nisi. We're talking today about the business of tourism with Kristen Adamo. She's newly appointed president and CEO of the Providence Warwick Convention and Visitors Bureau. Kristen, I feel like every time a state leader talks about tourism and articles written about tourism, the first thing they say is the beaches. We have great beaches. Yes. We have great beaches. And we do have great beaches. We do. But I'm curious, are there other, are there things we might not realize are helpful to you in marketing Providence and Warwick or when you talk to your peers around the mm -hmm. state, you know, things that don't always come right to mind when we think about tourism in Rhode Island that you guys find is a, is a good draw? Sure. For us, I mean, the beaches aren't as, as big a deal. And I would say, you know, beaches are great and we do have beautiful beaches, but so does Florida <laughs> and so does, you know, a lot of other places. So you have to kind of temper Tim White that. said that to me when I was getting ready to take, where we get, he said, you gotta ask her, he's like, aren't there beaches everywhere? Exactly. Like <laughs> so what you have to do, one of the things um, that we um, really promote is our size. I think our size is our greatest strength because you can have dinner in Providence and then you can, or you can go to the beach in South County. You can have dinner in Providence. You can go to the mansions and it's all within a small area. So that, that kind of, um, I think is one of the attractions that, you know, we really try to push outside this market. Rhode Islanders don't drive anywhere, but most right. people do. So to drive <laughs> 45 minutes to go to Newport is not a It's not deal. hardship pay for someone no, from outside no. the state like it is for all of us, apparently. Um, you know, you, you talk about, uh, the the size of the state. The state, after the cooler and warmer debacle right. a few years ago, which didn't go so well, they're now fun-sized is right. the brand, which which is kind of cute. They have video ads going and things like that. I know you've all, you all have conversations with mm -hmm. this, this, that's the state tourism right. office and thing that puts that together. What do you think of that? And has that been, I think that's being effective at all? I do. I think fun-sized is really cute, really clever video-based campaign. And um, I think it's working well. I think it's moving the needle. What I've really liked since Lara Salamano, I know she's left, but when she came on, there was a concerted effort for all of us to work together and be really um, unified. We all we all work amongst ourselves. I might have a reporter in, and I might um, have them. I have a guy coming in from Ireland. He's coming in for a week. So I called Andrew McHugh in Newport and said, can you take him for a couple days? Jess Willie in Block Island. So we work together anyway, but to have that kind of teamwork with the state has been a lot better. And, and I think I know they're looking for a new chief marketing officer. So one of the things I'm really looking at, at is um, hoping that they 
develop an overarching strategy that the rest of us can buy into because we're the boots on the ground and they're the umbrella. Well, and you know, that's that every year, it's been an issue in gubernatorial campaigns. Right. Should there be a stronger statewide, uh, you know, overall tourism approach, but then sometimes the smaller right. ones get worried they'll be left behind, there won't be people, put, it'll all be Providence and Newport, right? You know, what do you think, do you think it's hurting the state right now that, that it is still relatively bifurcated? Do you think that's overblown? No, I think um, the way that almost every state works is you have that umbrella organization and they um, sometimes they have things like co-op advertising opportunities that you can buy into but they always have a brand and a strategy but they don't they're not going to go and sit with James Mark in North and talk to him and find out what he's doing that that you know gets him a beard nomination or something that's something my team does so you really um on the lead and that's on the leisure side the the state doesn't do meetings and conventions really yeah. so you really have to have people who are embedded in the community to be effective so i think um you know the people in block island and south county and newport do the same thing we're the ones who are aggregating everything that is happening whether it be events or people stories um we're getting the photos the video all of that stuff and i think there's always going to be a need for that. If you were queen of Rhode Island tourism for a day and you could you could, you know, order something or make some big sweeping change or add something or whatever, what would you do? What would you th what do you think would be like a game changer for tourism? So um, it's wonky, but the, I actually have told them this. I would love, we have a limited budget, and I can't be in travel and leisure. I don't have the money. I can't be in, you know, New York publications or radio. I'd love to see some sort of an overarching advertising buy and where I could contribute a little bit of money, and there would be a little bit of messaging about Providence. I think that would be really helpful to all the regions because we're all working with a limited budget to be able to work together and be able to be smart financially. Yeah, do you think that if, what if the fun-sized videos were on were television, like the Michigan ones were for a while or something? Do you think that could be effective? Yeah, I do. I think television, you have to be um, careful on how you do it. Now, now, um, careful. <laughs> no, let me finish. I don't, you can't paint a broad brush. You have to be very specific mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. match the program or the channel with the right people. But I do think that television is one of the more effective ways of doing it. We're running short on time, but the Warwick in your title, yeah. I have to ask about the airport, of course. Yes. How are you feeling these days about TF Green sort of... It does seem like they've, they've been on an upswing after some down yep. years. How are you feeling about the airport? So they have been instrumental in some of our growth, particularly in the international market. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of growth with the Irish market. Um, but also, they are really attractive for meetings and conventions because what they're doing is they're adding more direct flights. Um, you know, they've added Savannah and I, New Orleans and all of these places. That makes us a more attractive meeting destination because, you know, when you go to a conference, you don't want to, like, stop in three different places. You want to go from A to B. So the work that they're doing Doing, yeah, it helps leisure tourism, but it equally helps meetings. So what worries you? What do you think uh, What do you think Rhode Island has to be prepared for, maybe is a better way to put it, as you look well, out? We ebb and flow with the economy. So if the economy goes down, we'll see um, things go down. Um, one of the things I um, am really into right now is crisis planning. You know, you have to worry about that. And yeah. I'm not just talking, unfortunately, about acts of nature. You have to worry about active shooters now. So, And I think a lot of, um, you know, the Rhode Island Hospitality Association does a lot of work on that um, in terms of getting people prepared and, and looking at that. So, I mean, I have the worries that I think most people have. Yeah, so there's still the... Not fun side of it too, the serious side you have to yeah. think about. But a lot of it's fun, it sounds a like. A lot of it is fun. <laughs> it sounds like a good gig to have. Well, yeah. Kristen Adamo from the Providence Warwick Convention and Visitors Bureau, congrats again on becoming Thank the you. CEO. I'm sure we'll be having you back. If sure. you missed any of this show or any other episode of Executive Suite, you can catch them all on our website, WPRI.com. And we're also back on iTunes as a podcast, so subscribe and you can listen on your phone or mobile device or wherever you get those. Otherwise, we'll see you back here next week on Executive Suite.